So anyway, so this idea of being crushed or broken or changed for the purposes of God is not something we like to have in our idea of what being blessed is. But it is what the scriptures say, isn't it? It says that God uh, disciplines those he loves. And the idea of discipline is trains up. That's really what the word means. It trains up those who knows he loves. It's the idea that, that, if, that in, in the Psalms you say, spare the rod and spoil the child. The idea that, that God loves us so much he's not He's willing to put up with, maybe we're upset with him because we didn't get what we want. Because he's more concerned of what he wants to develop in us. Now, I want to talk about that today, the conforming of you to the image of God. Now, I spoke last a couple of weeks ago, for a couple of weeks, about winemaking. And I talked about the process that God uses to make wine, and how that is like the process he uses to make men and women of God. And it, it's, a, it's a process that involves a lot of different steps to it, from the growing of it, salvation, to the watering, to all the different parts of being picked and tied and, and restrained and crushed, and all the different things that aren't fun, but all in a process, and waiting in many, many different things to become what God intended for you to be. Well, the world has a process, too, to conform you to it. The enemy has a plan for your life as well. Something God has talked to me recently about and made very, very clear is that is in void, in the absence of me being who I'm supposed to be and me taking the steps that I'm supposed to be creates a void. And where the void is, the enemy always will come in to fill that void. In the process of you not going with the process of what God's doing and making you into that fine wine that he wants to, will create a void as well. And guess what? That void will be filled and will not be filled with what you want. But I want to talk about conforming. Nobody likes that word, but it really means to shape. Romans, uh, can you read Romans for me, uh, 12, 2? Uh, we don't have the you know, Bible. All right. Do not be conformed yourselves to the standards of this world, but let, the, let God transform you inwardly by the complete change of your mind, that you will be able to know the will of God, what is good and is pleasing to him and perfect. God's process is to conform you to his will. It's a process that starts an inward process. I talked about gates before, gates in your life, and I talked about the Old Testament and the law was all about from things from the outside changing you. And the kingdom of God is being changed from the inside out. The promise of the law was that he was going to write it upon your heart. That the Father, his spirit himself would come dwell within you. That speaks of an inward change. You are going to be changed inwardly to be something different. But the enemy tries different modes to change you. They try from the outside. Things from the outside to press you to be in something different. You will be conformed. You'll either be conformed to his image, the Lord's, or to the image of the world. Well, how does he do this? How does he actually do this process of changing you? He actually uses several different things. He uses circumstances, people, 
whether it's uh, and circumstances, whether it's good or bad. People, unbelievers, Christians, family and friends, the desire to be good and to be like God, the Bible, all these the enemy uses. You know, when he was tempted, uh, when Jesus was tempted uh, in, in, the, uh, uh, in the desert there, he was tempted by scriptures to do something different. The, the, the enemy that we come against is an expert on the law and on the Bible and the rules. He knows it better than you do, unfortunately. And he's going to use it on you. So let's talk about the first thing, circumstances informing you to the enemy's image. Well, a lot of us think of the bad parts, that when the bad things happen, darkness comes, uh, things don't work, that, that we be, get mad and we end up conformed to the image uh, of, of the enemy. And that is true. We get mad. We get mad at God. We get mad at situations. When we get mad that we don't get what we want, and we end up saying, okay, I'll take a God that will give me what I want. That's called an idol. Remember, we talked about that before. An idol is all about I, the first letter of it, and a dole means an idiot that goes after it. Okay? So, so, it, so that's what he tries to do. He tries to get you that if things go bad in your life and things don't work out in your life, that you're going to go look for something or someone that will give you what you want. When we deal with witnessing with people, what happens? You know, very often they, they keep on, I heard it over and over in the AFM, the American Film Market thing, well, you know, God did, you know, I mean, I, 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 I'm a spiritual person, you know, and I looked at this and looked at that and I didn't get what I wanted and, then I did this, and, you know, and people tell me I have this good aura around me and all this good stuff, you know. They, and, and so they go to that. And we think that we have to talk them out of it. And I'll tell you what, we can't seem to talk them out of it. What we have to do is we have to cut off that source. So the first thing you do in a situation like that is you pray that the, that the power they're pulling on doesn't have any power on them anymore. And then they get tired of not having any power, and then they turn to one that really has power, and that's God. That's a little side note for free. But the bad thing is is uh, uh, is one way. The other thing is the good. In the book of Judges, it was over and over and over again that God brought great blessing into the people's lives, and then they would begin to forget about God. There's no difference between you and them. We are the same as what they are. When we get a great blessing, very happen, we start forgetting about God. We start thinking about the blessing. And within my case, I always started to think about how I can get a bigger blessing after what he gives me and how I can multiply that a little bit more. And I try that. And as I do that, I take that age-old problem. My eyes remove off of God onto the blessing and how I can increase it. And then he just causes me to drift farther and farther off. Pretty soon, what happens to me is things don't go very well and I get angry. And then a little bit later, then I get desperate. A little bit later, I start calling out to God. Then he sends redemption back to my life, and it's all good for a while again. The downside of it's been kind of long this time, but that's the way it is. But that's a process, and I can't remember. I used to know when I studied Judges how many times that process went with Israel, but it was a bunch of times. It was a bunch of times, over and over and over and over again. To my knowledge, they never did get it. Neither do we. But that, that was the good. It says this kindness is meant to bring us to repentance, and it is. But sometimes we, we find the kindness and we get in it. That can be a worse and a harder trial than the bad. Because blessings are nice. 
And there's nothing wrong with blessings. I would like to have a really, really fancy, nice car. We won't talk cars because I could get into another world real quick here. This probably would be a good example of, uh, of how the enemy works. <laughs> but I like nice things. And there's nothing wrong with nice things as long as the nice things don't own you. As long as it's a thing of you're about the kingdom. God wants to bless you. That's his nature. He just is a good God. He loves to bless. But that's one of the circumstances. So circumstances is one of the things that bring us off. Whether it's good or bad circumstances, the enemy you use either one of them to do it. Uh, people. Now this one's a, probably the, the biggest use of, uh, of the enemy to get you off track. People. Uh, good meaning people and bad meaning people. Both of them. Well, what the attempt is, is to conform you one way or another. I'm going to talk first about the bad. The bad person, the bad, the world, whatever. I don't mean to mean bad. Maybe that's not even a good word. The unredeemed people. Uh, they look at you as a Christian and they say, you should be like this. Very often we get stuck in that and we, we start to go, down that road, and we begin to say, okay, I can be like this, I can look a little bit like you, smell a little bit like you, be a little bit like you, and still be, because I really have God in my heart. And what they have first done is they cut off my witness to who, I, who God is. Then when they cut off that witness of who God is and kind of press those things down, the next thing he does is says, well, you really aren't holy enough. We really don't see God in you. So all of a sudden, they, they you know, press us in a little bit more another way. And then they'll say, you don't, you know, you, 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 you're too loud in this way and, and, and when you're expressing of God. And it's okay to have Jesus, all right, but don't tell us about him. And pretty soon, they oppressed us by saying, you should do this, you should do that. Right. This and that, until it kind of makes us where we can't be seen anymore. Right. If you press something and compress it, it becomes very thin. When it becomes very thin, you can't see it anymore. Then all of a sudden, we have zero witness. But that's not who we're intended to be. So he's compressed us. He's compressed us into being someone that we're not supposed to be. We want to fit in. We don't want to offend. He uses good things. You shouldn't offend people. And we really shouldn't. We should be, when we, when we witness about who Christ is, it's got to be the love of God in our heart. It has to be where the presence inward out comes who God is, and they see us, see him in us. But he compresses it down to almost nothing. I was at the FM, like I said this week, and I saw this big poster about the Dalai Lama. Now, the Dalai Lama is probably the biggest enemy to the world that there is on, on the face of the world right now. But he's, he's been modeled to be a certain way. And he's got him, they've got him as all as this holy man. He realizes that that's not good either. So he's got a movie out right now about the life of Dalai Lama. Not about all the neat stuff he does, but what he does in his home. Him on a treadmill, all the different things like that. He wants to expand who he is so he can be a person, a real human being. Because he understands that he wants to compress the Christians where you can't see him. And he wants him to be this more-than-life man. 
Okay, he's got all these powers, he's got all this stuff, he's got education, government, uh, peace prize, all the junk. And But yet he's also human. He works on a treadmill. He takes care of things. He drinks, he smokes, he not smokes, but he probably does. I don't know what he does. But he does all kinds of things to make him real. Because he is putting out a picture of what he wants you to see him as. By the world, presses is smaller. Now, it's not, I wish it was just the world that did. That would be a lot easier to take, but it's also the Christians that do. You shouldn't smoke. You shouldn't drink. You shouldn't cuss. You shouldn't do this. And maybe you shouldn't. But it's the shouldn'ts in this world, an outward change, that causes us to focus on what we do rather than who we serve. If it's an inward change out, it's got to be the presence of God coming through. Us. If somebody's always telling you how you should live, if I was my thing here, okay, we'll, we'll pick on something right now. Okay, I shouldn't have sex before marriage. That is the truth. If I'm up here preaching about not having sex before marriage, and you aren't married, you're probably about thinking about having sex. Probably is, because your focus has now left God to sex. Pretty easy hook. Enough stuff around here to look at to get you hooked on it. Plan of the enemy by using Christians to cause us to look at things other than what's in us. Other things. How we dress. Is there wise ways to dress for women? You bet there is. For men, yeah, too. They're all, all wisdom things. But you aren't changing from the outside. It's got to be changed from the inside. The next thing I think I'm going to take this other one next. Desire to be like God. Is that a good thing? Is it? It's how man fell. Remember Genesis? You can be like God. That's how they fell. Trying to be like God. What is that all about? Isn't it a good thing? It is a good thing to be like God. But not outside. Inward change. By God. First thing I started teaching you guys is how to hear God. Not how to hear me and not to look at me. Unfortunately, I've created a void by not being who I really am in front of you. Expand who I really am. And the enemies put all kinds of ideas of who I am and who I'm not in your mind. The point I was trying to do is to get you to look to him and listen to him. Because he's the only one that can change you. I can't change you. I can give you the tools but I have to give you tools how to hear God and not dictate who he is. Man fell by desire to be good, to be like God, to be full of, uh, to be like him. Now, that one part of it I want to go into right now is the idea that you can make your own direction. And that's the biggest part of that. But it was still the idea of being like God. So that desire, that attempt to go out on your own and get the things to make you like God is not going to make you like God. It's going to make you like the world. 
because you're being conformed from the outside. Like Jesus says, no amount of ceremonial washings. No, let me translate that. No amount of doing really good things, right things, and being able to stay into these things is going to make you like God. None. He meant what he said. There's no amount of it. It does not exist. You cannot change that way. It is impossible. The whole Old Testament is to teach you that. No amount of rules, regulations, and laws that protect the laws, that protect the laws is going to make you be who God's called you to be. It's an inside change. I talked with uh, Don Paul, not John Paul, but Don Paul. This guy is here. Actually, still lives here. Uh, gatekeeper from the past here. In about a three-hour conversation last night, it was extremely good. You're going to hear pieces of it in here because he actually gave me some pieces that I don't know and he didn't understand fully and I've got a greater understanding. But one of the things he told me is a story that I, that I think is really apropos for the very next point. In this story, was in Santa Monica. He's with a couple other people. And all of a sudden, this homeless guy comes running at him Full blast. Said, I'm going to kill you with your Bible. Yelling and screaming. Ran right up to him. What did he mean by that? Was he going to take the Bible and beat him to death over the head? No. He's going to take the law. He's going to take the rules. The things that God called you to live for freedom to imprison you. And so the next period of time was the thought things that goes, oh, that pretty girl there, oh, I shouldn't, oh, yes, I shouldn't look at her. You know, uh, oh, I want to do this. And began a process of self-condemnation. Do you know that one? Do you know that one by all the books and rules in the book? They were meant to give you life, and that's what the law was meant to do, give life, but it actually brought, according to the scriptures, death instead. Those same things, whether you call it legalism, it is legalism, is a matter, thank you, it is a matter of living from the outside in and expecting external things Good things, God things, to make you like God. It's His Spirit that changes you. His Spirit that changes you. And the moment you expect anything else to change you, any rule, any regulation, you miss. The Lord brought this freedom so you would really be free. Now the scriptures say this. And the reason it says this is because of the accusations that the outsiders were saying. Because there was so much freedom, they, they, they didn't understand it. They didn't get it. They didn't get why they had so much freedom. And so what happened with a lot of people said, well, we can just do anything we want. We can go chase those girls, smoke those cigarettes, and do all that stuff. And his answer was, if his seed is in you, then it changes you. You cannot take your freedoms to cause you to do the other things as well. 
But this, those rules and regulations will not bring you freedom. God's full intention is to give you complete life in Him. It says full intention. Complete life in Him. So, when those thoughts come in here, how I'm going to be better Christian, or how I'm going to run, one of my favorites, to all these different uh, uh, meetings and seminars so I can get to be more, that's a diversion. It's his life, his presence in you. We've been given all we need. Remember the scripture? I didn't have enough time to do any of the scripture. That's why you aren't seeing them up there. We've been given all we need for a life of holiness and righteousness by his spirit being within us. And guess what? He is not in a real hurry, but he's going to bring a change in you. That means it's not a list of how fast you can get the sins out of your life. It's a list of how quick you can learn how to hear him and do and deal with what he's dealing with. He will deal with sin in your life. He will deal with us in his timing. But you have to learn to discern the difference, which is the Lord doing it and which one is you doing it. Which one is the enemy speaking that thing? Oh, you're thinking this, you're thinking that. Condemnation, 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 condemnation. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. He means what he says. You have been set free that you can live a life of godliness. Free. I mean free. That means you don't have to listen to your should-haves, could-haves, you oughta, and all those other things that you say to yourself, that your friends say to yourself, the enemy says to yourself, all of them. You don't have to live by those anymore. The whole purpose of this is freedom. If you pay attention to him, he'll speak him more. If it works, he'll use it more. You are not responsible what comes into your mind, only what you keep. You get this? Only what you make a nest in. The enemy is going to continually speak all kinds of stuff to you, all kinds of lies to you of what you're not. If it's about what you're not, you've got about a 99.9999% that it's from the pit of hell. Because that's not who God is. He's about who you are. That's how he draws you out. That's how he makes you into a man and woman of God, is by causing you to see yourself who you are. See yourself in the position you have here. Each and every one of you has a position here. Each and every one of you has a place to stand. Each and every one of you has a responsibility to do. Just standing, like what it says, when you've done all you can do, just stand. Well, why does it say that? It says that because you're filled with the presence of God. You standing in this place, in this city, brings light. It brings God's presence. It brings God's truth. So just standing will bring that. If you learn how to pray in tongues, it's going to bring a little bit more. And as you learn how to hear God and be able to deal with the realm that's 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 a spiritual realm, there is a real, real, real spiritual realm. As you're able to do that, you're able to have victories that you've never seen before. Also problems you've never seen before. Are you going to be ones that run from a fight? Are you going to be sissies? 
I, I, I'm telling you, the church is filled with sissies. You know, they really are. They're, they're, I don't like to get beat up. I don't like a fight. You know, but we have to stand when we're called to stand. We have to fight when we're called to fight. If you're afraid of something, you're always going to see it. If you're afraid of that, I don't remember, I can't remember which guy says, oh, what I feared most has come upon me in the scriptures. Why do you think of that? You tell the enemy what you fear most, he's going to make sure it comes upon you. Because he knows it's your weakest point. If you're afraid of not having any money, and you keep on saying that, he will make sure you have no money. If you're afraid of some hot babe coming and causing you to jump in the bed when you shouldn't, guess what? Babes are going to be coming one after another. Opportunity will present itself in the wrong way because you're empowering it by what you're looking at and what you're believing. You're empowering it. You can't empower that stuff anymore. The truth is, as old Wimber used to say, John Wimber, you believe your beliefs and doubt your doubts. When the enemy tells you you're not this, that, or the other, doubt it. And believe what God says because that's the only way, the only way that you're going to be able to walk in the authority that God's given you. Everything that this church is about is hearing God and obeying. Walking out in the authority God's given you. That we may occupy this place. Because if we occupy this place, the enemy will flee this place. If we don't occupy this, they create a void. And in that void, the enemy will fill it. If you do not take your place in this body, doing what you're called to do, something else will take your place. Void will always be filled, and it's filled with darkness. You have to be the light, and you have to stand in your place. As long as you stand in your place, you proclaim the kingdom until it's coming. The day you back off, he says, I will, I will not be pleased if you shrink back. I will not be pleased. So it's time not to shrink back. It's time to be conformed by God. Here, with his presence in you, you learning to hear him, listen to what he says and does it, and you will change. Listening to what you're not, worrying about your sins or the possibility of sin, you will fail. One of the enemy's greatest plans is to cause you to worry about the future mistakes and worry about the past ones. Cause you to be anywhere but now. God, the Holy Spirit, even though he exists, he's Alpha and Omega, exists in all planes, he's only accessed in one. We access him in the now, right this moment. Being aware of what he is. Being aware of his presence on us all the time. Being aware of those things, we, we, we activate, we become who we're called to be. But if he can get you to be afraid, oh my gosh, last, I had a bad thought. <laughs> I had lots of bad thoughts, guys. I'm a human being. You have lots of bad thoughts. You're a human being. Get over it. He knows what he made. You know, have mercy on yourself. He has mercy on you. How dare you not have mercy on who God has mercy on? Right. That's you. Right. How dare you? Who do you think you are? Greater than God? That's what the enemy wants you to think. Humanism says that. Oh, I don't want to go there. 
in a whole other hours. <laughs> the humanism and the God of this world is humanism, one of, one of his attributes. So, Father, the word that you spoke to us today, Father, let it be more than a seed. Let it be a super seed in our heart that, uh, that, that uh, is germinated and grows and bees that strongest of trees, the greatest of all trees, that being faith, that we would trust that you are a good God, has a plan that is able to change us without our own help, that is not all about how perfect we are, but about loving you and being a light and doing what we're called to do. Let that grow in us. Let that faith grow in us. Let that faith grow in us that would cause us to take down anything that's in the way. Father, I pray on this group and this people right here, that tenacity, that tenacity that will not put up with anything less but your best, that will not go to the left or the right when, when a battle comes their way, that they will hit it head on. They will hit it head on being conscious of your calling, your presence, and your will in their life that they would come about and do exactly what they were intended to. Amen. All right. Some of you, uh, do you want to do the? Okay. Glory stories. stories. After that, we'll pray for some people. How about glory stories? Who had some glory stories from the AFM or anything else? I come on. Good. Hi, I'm Karen Hornoff from Colorado, and I guess this is our home church when we're here out here once a month. Um, we had assignment over at the AFM. It was really cool getting to pray with y'all on Friday morning, and we were over there from early morning to we closed things down at 9 o'clock on Friday night, and we were over there again on Saturday. But I just wanted y'all to know what a difference we felt Saturday when we walked in. Lowe's was really heavy. It felt like we were just plowing the ground all over again because it felt pretty good on Friday. Saturday morning, really, really heavy. And about 1 o'clock, things started lifting. And that was about the time we started seeing y'all show up. About 1.30 or 2, the atmosphere was so much lighter. Just wanted y'all to, to testify what a difference y'all made when you came in and you started working, you started praying, the numbers were there, and all afternoon it felt really good. And when y'all left around 6 o'clock, the prostitutes started coming in, the really slimy night elements started moving in, it was really gross. <laughs> so... Y'all really were salt and light, and it was just a testimony. It was really, really cool, and I'd love to hear what else was going on. Yeah, and that's a good point. That's a perfect example of just the presence of being there changing the atmosphere. The enemy tells us over and over and over again that, you know, what we do doesn't matter. What we do doesn't have an effect. And as long as you sit there and think that, that's, that's true. But that's, the truth is we do have effect. We do. We put out darkness. Light puts out darkness. It doesn't have to do anything. Just flip it on. Puts out darkness. Who's else? It was, 
Yeah, this week's been really good. I think the uh, uh, the intercession times, if you were able to make those, I mean, God was really, you could tell he was given a lot of revelation to pray. And uh, it was that was a lot of fun. And uh, just being able to pray for the people in the office, too, was a lot of fun. But um, uh, yesterday, um, it was neat, John and uh, Karen, you know, they knew some people, and we prayed for a guy named Ron Newcomb, right? And uh, he's a producer, uh, Christian guy, and you could really see the anointing of God on this guy. I was just really amazed. I was like, wow. I'm thinking, this guy seems like a, a really a pastor because he had such a presence of God on him. And uh, it was, real, uh, it was really um, a privilege to pray with him and uh, to pray also for his film that he's trying to get bought over there. And uh, um, he, it was really, you could really tell um, he wasn't just a, a Christian in name, but he was, he was really committed to God in, in a big way. And, and uh, it was neat talking to him. And uh, we did a few, we were able to do a few dreams. Um, and, uh, Sebastian and I had one gal that a uh, young gal that we uh, ended up doing a dream. She, first, she comes up and she goes, "Well, you know, my dream is uh, I want to be in movies and I would like a modeling career." And that, you know, her dream. And then we had to explain to her, "No, we, we're talking about you know what you're having a night, you know." And she's like, "Oh yeah, I had this one about eight months ago, and and uh, it was really it was a big warning dream for her." And uh, but you know, it, you could tell that God had already been putting people in this girl's life and i was she probably about 19 years old or something like that and uh you could really tell that she'd already taken a few lumps in life but um it was just a good time to be able to spend with her and i i feel like god uh encouraged her through it she seemed to receive it all it was nice too because paul had the uh, camera all set up and uh um he was able to film her. We kind of did the dream once, and then we took her over to Paul, and we redid it on the camera. And uh, so who knows? Maybe one of these mornings we'll be able to play it up here, and you can kind of get an idea of what went on. But uh, it was uh, it was really something else over there. You could definitely feel the warfare going on. And I think John was mentioning, or no, Paul was talking about the crows, man. He was seeing just like the, the warfare and the crows going on out there. It was it's kind of wild, but uh. um, I, I had a really interesting dream. Um, well, I interpreted an interesting dream yesterday. Um, there was a woman who I met, and uh, she, she's not Christian, and she said that she had a dream where, which happened over a span of months. She would dream one part, and it would continue for over a month, right? It was a really long dream, and she talked about how she would get to the mountain, the first mountain, and then um, it would um, what do you call it? There would be cleansing happening like water would fall from the sky and with and and then in between the mountains she said there was jesus and there's 12 disciples like oh, i don't understand she's not christian i don't understand what she's doing you know so it's oh, okay right and then she said she went to the mountaintop and then she met she met this dark spiritual force and then she fought fought the guy and he disappeared into the ground and there were these four ladies wearing white and his we're here to support people who were at the mountain I was like, wow, okay, this must be a Christian dream. So, um, you know, it was very interesting. We had to explain, like, yeah, it's a cleansing process that you have, you have a call in your life and that um, 
and that, that you have, you know, and I'd say you can, you, it, has, it involves Jesus and, you know, and follow Jesus and then told disciples what they did, read the Bible and go through it and see what they did and use that as an example. So it's very interesting. It was a complete setup. It seems like uh, God gives very Christian dreams to non-Christians too. Very interesting. You know, one of the dreams that uh, uh, Sibby and I did, we actually did it for this guy. Uh, he had, one day he came uh, and had a dream, and it was really a salvation dream, and I, I went through that. Uh, uh, gave an interpretation. And the next day, I'll give this next one because it was really short and concise, and it really illustrated what he was going through. And it was a Jewish guy who came there, uh, and I originally thought he was saved because his partner was a, a Christian. But he came there and says, you know, this dream took over seven days. You know, it's a, it's a thing that there's seven different times, seven different days I came there. And what I did, he says, I went to the store, and I rode the store on my Vespa. You know, Vespa is a scooter little, very lowly powered scooter. And I went to the store and I got my stuff and I came out and I forgot my scooter and went home, you know, without my scooter. I said, well, I think I'll get it the next day. And seven, you know, six days in a row, that's what he did. He would go there and forget his scooter and come home over and over and over again. On the seventh day, he went there and there was a big white horse out there and he hopped on the horse and rode off, you know. And so this is a salvation dream as well. What it is, the meaning of the dream was, was this. Seven is the number of God. The, the, the days he went there, he went there with a little bit of power, I believe, it was because of his heritage, his Jewish heritage. But because he, the story went to what he shopped for and what he got, he ended up walking on his own power home. Now, what I found out stuff about the guy is because he's been shopping God and whatever God works well. And that was the deal. He'd walk in there, whatever God works well, he'd pull off the shelf and take that, and that would be okay for him there. So he'd walk with a little power from his heritage and walk with none. But on the seventh day, and that's what I told him, when you come into that complete time with God, what's going to happen is you're going to ride in real power, God's power. So there's salvation dream. It was a fun dream. Anybody else? Go ahead. Um. All week long, uh, I had all kinds of negative thoughts coming to my mind and um, regarding my situation and regarding who I am in the Lord. And even I talked to Karen yesterday, and uh, I was sharing with her uh, those negative thoughts. And this morning when I was coming in, I normally asked the Lord, uh, Okay, what you gonna do? Because I uh, started, a, I mean, I brought a new canvas to the church. He told me to paint during the services. Uh, it's been uh, more than a year by now, and um, each time he doesn't give me the the picture right away. He just gives me uh, little pieces uh, uh, time to time, and. Uh, I hear the voice saying, oh, we are not going to do nothing today. Just sit down and enjoy the service. And I said, wait a minute, this is not the Lord. I, uh, that's not the voice I used to hear. And uh, it was just coming, just sit down, we are not doing nothing. And the worship started, and uh, I was looking back, and Jake was holding faith and dancing with her, 
and enjoying the worship and he put at her on his shoulder and hoarded her with her with his uh, two hands and smiling at her and enjoying and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just came on him and gave me this is how I hold all of you and this is how I make sure that all of you are secure because I'm holding you with two of my hands and this is how I'm smiling at you and enjoy the worship with you and that was the picture that I had to put it on the canvas it was just that's how God is holding us and and uh, uh, it's just the, the even the expression on Jake's face was like a a I cannot put that on the canvas because this is how God uh, looking uh, uh, looking at us and uh, it's it's just uh, undescribable by words and and uh, with colors and pictures, but the joy. And the love, what, what, how he carry us on his shoulder, each of us, every single of us. So, uh, thank you, Lord, for this experience. I'll just be quick. Um, that shout that Gary had us do in the prayer circle was so profound, I tell you. The Lord ministered to me. This is more so a word to the musicians and everyone who sings um, in the band. Uh, You guys are more anointed than you know. Um, The Lord was showing me. I was sitting, and I saw the power of God as you were playing. Because, you know, when you be the instrument, I think it's in Psalms. I mean, it goes up before the Lord. But I saw something so powerful Um, And it was confirmation because there was a lady that came in that said something about it. I just want to encourage the musicians to consecrate yourself. You've gone to another level in your playing. It is just so powerful. And I I just, the anointing, it was just overwhelming. I felt, um, I felt it in my right hand especially. But I sat down and a lady came in and I told her, I said, come in, you're welcome. She says, she said, I was on my way to this, but I, I had to stop. She said, the, the music, the, the music, it, it just drew me in. And prophetically, and I saw as you guys were playing um, the guitar and the piano and uh, Tracy was singing and even the beat of the drum, I saw the power of God, the anointing going out and literally pulling people, pulling them pulling them in and there's some people they're going to hear it and we're going to see it in the coming Sundays they're going to be walking by and this the the anointing from the music is, is going to be so penetrable they it's going to break their agendas they're on their way to do something but the music is going to literally pull them in here um we can't take that lightly God is doing something he's doing something awesome and he's doing it quick and uh I I was just I was just watching everything. I was like, wow. So I wanted to encourage all the musicians. It's like you've gone to another level and you're playing. God is being glorified and I want to encourage the musicians again to consecrate yourself to singing. 
God, we're going to see things, God doing things. I saw people coming in as well as the music was playing. And I saw healings. As you were playing, I saw healings taking place. We're going to see deaf ears open. We're going to see things. Just keep playing, but consecrate yourselves. Hey, you guys. Hey. Yeah. I just want to thank everybody who's prayed with me for probably the last two and a half years over the phone and when I was here in person for my parents. And my stepfather went home to be with the Lord in um, October 1st. And in one way, you think that sounds sad because we miss him. But the good, the key word is went home to be with the Lord. And he wasn't going to go to be with the Lord before. And um, Tracy met him, uh, I think, a year and a half, probably, yeah, about a year and a half ago, about a year ago up in Tahoe. And uh, I got saved about 20 years ago, shortly after my folks got married, my mom and stepdad. And um, I remember one time I was in Louisiana and working for them, and they were leaving, and I just started weeping. And they're like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I said, what if this plane goes down and you, you die? I don't know what's going to happen to you. And my mom just looked. She goes, well, you know, I said, I need to know that you believe in God. And my mom said, she goes, well, of course I believe in God. You know, who, who do you think I pray to, you know? And, my, and she said, and your stepfather, well, I don't know what he believes. <laughs> and um, he was a man that was just, uh, had somewhat of a charmed life, had, had been get, inherited millions of dollars, and um, had a lot of things to distract him a lot of his life. And he did a lot of good things, but he did not know the Lord. And then in the last couple of years of his life, God brought some people around to pray for him. A biographer that was writing a book insisted that they pray every time they got together. And, um, you know, and at the very end, this last uh, year, I got to pray with him. And I s- saw a tender heart in him that I had never seen in all these years and, a, and just an openness for the Lord and a contrite spirit you know, a repentful spirit about things. And I had to, you know, guide him out of condemnation because God, you know, doesn't give us condemnation, gives us conviction. But, you know, I was telling somebody this last couple of years, but particularly this last year, is like that plane that was going down and the guy landed it in the Hudson River, you know. That's what this was like, is this thing was going down and I, I saw it going down. <laughs> Wanted to take a parachute and jump out. <laughs> But for some reason, I felt like God told me to stay, stay in it. And so I heard a sermon that really encouraged me, and it talked about where Jesus said to the Lord, he said, I've kept those that you've given me. You know, and God just encouraged me because there was a lot of other things I thought I was going to be doing this last year. And, and what it felt like I was doing was really small, and it was not that, not that much. But, you know, I felt like that was something God gave me. And I and by the grace of God, my stepfather was kept and he was saved. So I want to thank you. I know that I was get on the prayer line and it was the same prayer every week. My parents, my parents, it's like their finances, his health, their finances, his health, you know, and it's like, but, you know, in eternity, he's going to be there. And, um, you know, that's that's absolutely incredible. And I just ask you to my mom's name is Victoria, which means victorious. And I believe that she will be victorious in the, the challenges ahead. Tracy prophesied that a couple of years ago. 
And so um, if you guys would just keep lifting her up in prayer and me too. And God willing, I'd like to come back to the area as soon as I can. So I just want to thank you all. I know it's like sometimes it's probably felt like using a hoe on cement, you know, the, the prayers that we were praying. But it, it broke through, you know, and God is he's just so faithful. So I just want to thank all of you. Okay, I don't have a, a, a praise report, but I just feel the unction of the Lord right now prophetically. And as Gary was teaching today, um, the, the, the emphasis of what the word was is identity. And you need to know with clarity who you are. Because the, the, the main guise of the enemy is to get you to, to relegate yourself to a carnal position, a limited position, and you're not limited. And what I want to do, I want to pray a simple little prayer right now. And I'm going to break words uh, even religious uh, content or things that seem to be uh, uh, God, God's intent for your life. I'm going to break that off of you. Uh, it's been coming against me all week. And, and, and when uh, you mentioned about the crows, uh, where I'm staying on the west side, I, I walked my friend's dog. And, and there was this crows coming at me. And I was walking down the street. And when I got around, they start cocking at me. And so, so there's, there's, there's a demonic voice that, that is trying to cry out to get you to, to, to be paralytic, to be stagnant, and, 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 and self-consciously ineffective, and you're not. And, and, Father, I just break those words right now in the name of Jesus. Every assault on this body right now, everything that's been sent forth to sever, hinder, and, and to uh, encumber your flow, Father, I break it right now. I break witchcraft right now. I break uh, every curse, every vacuum every religious spirit, everything that's trying to water down your influence in this area. I break it right now in the name of Jesus, and I declare, Father God, that we're going to go forth. Uh, we're not going to occupy, Father. We're going to take the territory. We're going to take the land. It's your mandate, Lord. Your Spirit's upon us, Father God. We're going to do all things through Christ and the Word and the anointing on your Word that strengthens us, Father God. I thank you that we are not only conquerors, we are more than conquerors, Father. And Father, I thank Thank you that your word cannot return void, Father. Father, you answer every word, every prayer that's in alignment with your will and purpose in Jesus' name. And I thank you for the prayers of the saints that have gone forth. I think that it will produce, Father God. It will create change. It will influence the environment. It will bring salvation. It will bring deliverance. It will bring healing, Father. And I pronounce victory over this body. I call in those that are supposed to be here now. And I thank you, Lord. Lord, and I come in agreement with your spirit and your purpose. When people walk through the floor, uh, through the doors, Father God, there will be deliverance. There will be healing. There will be a miracle power here, Father. And we reverence you for what you're going to do today, Father. And I pronounce a fluidity and a flow and a continuity, Father. Everything that's counterproductive, uh, Father, that's trying to influence us in the wrong way, will not operate any longer. The curses are broken, Father, and we are set free. And I pronounce financial victory as well, Father. Father, open doors, Father, and bring your grace and your goodness and your victory to this body this day, Father, in Jesus' name. All right, whoever needs prayer, come on up, and the rest of you, bless you, and have a good week, and go out there and bless somebody out there. Amen. So who wants prayer? Come on forward.